This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. We have still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to the Builder Future podcast. Really excited to have Andrew Peel today. He is here talking about all things passive houses and passive construction. Very interesting concept. I think for a while there was more of a conceptual idea that we're going to dive into a lot deeper today. But Andrew, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Rural, for having me. Pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So, Andrew, tell me a little bit more about yourself, what your journey has been like, and you know, where did you start this passion and your passion of passive houses? It kind of stems from early childhood, just kind of environmental leanings. I remember reusing things like, you know, I don't know, used pieces of string and stuff, you know, silly things like that as a kid. And I was excited when they introduced juice box recycling or where I lived back in the 90s. That's kind of been there for me. And it evolved into initially an interest, you know, when you think of professionally, an interest in renewable energy. And that interest led me to Europe to do a master's in renewable energy. You know, it was a really enjoyable program, met some great folks. Yet at the same time, while I was doing the program, I realized, well, we're putting all this effort into finding different ways of generating energy. And I thought to myself, well, it doesn't make sense to try what we can to reduce energy demand. And so it started me on the path of finding ways of saving kilowatt hours instead of using different ways of generating kilowatt hours. That led me on a search for, for opportunities and I uh, landed on the Passive House Institute in Germany. Hadn't heard of them, hadn't heard of Passive House, wasn't from a construction background. So it was all new to me. But little did I know that I ended up at the source of what has become a global movement in best practices in you know energy efficient, comfortable homes, buildings that provide great indoor environment. Yeah, I think it's interesting because, I mean, we hear in the news, especially up here in Canada, and I think it's really a worldwide issue, really, where you know every time you see your hydro bill every month, everyone starts to freak out a little bit and find out, you know, how are these prices soaring so much, soaring so much? And I think correct me if I'm wrong, but when this concept first came out, I think it was, you know, more of a voluntary kind of thing to get done in terms of getting more energy efficient and ways to limit the energy consumption. Are there any municipalities or government agencies out there that kind of keep this passive house uh, or this energy consumption standard as a standard in their building practices right now? Or is it just kind of generating a little, you know, more steam, more steam kind of thing? Yeah, there's definitely growing developments on the policy or political front, uh, Vancouver is definitely a leader in this space. So they currently have a requirement for projects that they need to go through rezoning, that they have two pathways to meeting their, they actually have a local building code, kind of special in, in Canada for that. And so there's two pathways. One of those two pathways is actually passive house certification. So you would need to certify your project to the international standard. That's definitely the leading jurisdiction for most defined requirements. And then if you go elsewhere, 
you might have jurisdictions that incorporate it. Well, actually more like you'd have like funding agencies as an example, affordable housing funding agencies, which may start to require it or may give you benefit for doing that or, or a recognition. So, you know, some, some places have points-based systems that you need to achieve so many points to receive funding. If you go for passive house or commit to passive house, they'll give you extra points. So it gives project proponents a leg up, if you will. And we, we saw, for instance, in Pennsylvania, the very first year they introduced that, a third of the projects actually proposed passive house. And I think majority of those proponents hadn't done a passive house before. Pretty interesting. So it's almost like trying to get a LEED certification on that rating. Like, you know, depending on how you do, you get you get these points and it's the accumulation of those points that kind of let you know if you've reached that certification or not, right? But I guess fundamentally, if we want to dial it back, because I think we've we've talked a little bit of a broader concept, but fundamentally, what is a passive house? Like today. And I guess you could say where did it actually start from? You touched on it a little bit earlier. You can go back a while to see the the origins of it. And really, early research they were doing in the 70s when they realized, oh, buildings use a lot of energy. You know, let's figure out ways to actually reduce it. And there's a lot of demonstration projects and, and fundamental research. We have one here in Canada as well called the Saskatchewan House, the Saskatchewan Conservation House. You can go to Regina and actually the house still exists, right? Built in the end of the 70s with pretty much all the aspects or components you see in, in a past house today done in a period where they didn't really have the same technology and you know, modern approaches. So, but it's still standing, it's still operating. Those demonstration projects show what's possible. Yes, they work. They were demonstration projects. So the focus wasn't on economic feasibility, but more, can we do it? Is it possible? What the past house standard did was evolve that to first confirm does it work for occupants, right? It's one thing for the building to use low amount of energy, but it's not livable or people have to adapt their behaviors in such a way that it's not practical. So the first passive house project they did in the early 90s, that demonstrated that despite the occupant, like they work, right? And from that, they were able to build the actual, what became the passive house building standard. A big focus of that was scaling it so making sure it was affordable and that many you know it could be adopted uh, in large scale because ultimately if you're going to have an impact a meaningful impact on housing and buildings you you need it to scale and so that's what we've seen over in the last 25 years or so since the institutes existed is that gradual expansion and scaling of the standard and its its application are there a few i guess key points to consider when thinking about incorporating a passive home, even if you're not going to go in for a certification, shall we say, it's more of a, a smaller retrofit. I think it could be as simple as, you know, replacing windows and, and going with a triple pane system, low E, as opposed to, you know, your standard lowest, lowest cost possible, right? Could it be as simple as that as a starting point anyway? Yeah, I think, I mean, we, we will definitely separate the discussion of retrofit versus new build. Retrofit has its own unique set of challenges. So if we stick with a retrofit, there are certainly one-to-one -one measures you can do, like replacing the windows. The key is, in my opinion, and not just my opinion, but if you're going to do a retrofit, even if you're going to do individual measures, you should have the end in mind. So it's like maybe you're doing it piece by piece, one year you're going to replace the windows, 
you know, five years from now, you're going to replace the heating system, whatever it is, you'd actually want to plan out that whole process. So you have the end in mind, you say, okay, where do I want to end up 10 years, 15 years from now, whatever that time horizon is you're working on and plan out the steps. Because what happens if you don't, you'll do one-to-one measures and you'll probably end up with a suboptimal result at the end. Because for instance, how you install certain systems today, like if you then install a system, like I think of Windows, for instance, if you install Windows today in your existing structure, later on, you want to install more insulation, then how you've installed the Windows may compromise how well the insulation works, how they intersect, for instance. And we you know, spend a lot of time going into the details of how that works. But it's making sure things are compatible and done overall in an optimized way. Another thing I want to point out about retrofits for anyone thinking about this is if you're looking to make your building more airtight, you definitely want to have a ventilation system in the home because there's a risk of making it more airtight. And now you no longer have those leaks you're used to, which use more energy, make you less comfortable, but they do exchange air. So you get fresh air into the building. If you're going to make it airtight, you definitely want an active ventilation system to ensure you're getting that fresh air into the building. Let's dive a little bit more into the retrofit side. I know we've talked about it a fair bit, uh, you know, off air, but you're doing an interesting project right now that is not just for a passion, but but it's also to kind of set some standards and some examples with some tangible evidence. Can you share with me what you're doing right now as it pertains to just like a retrofit model? Because we know in urban centers, it's really hard to tear down an entire structure and rebuild something completely. So can you tell me a little bit more about what your plan is going forward and, and what you're doing right now in that retrofit space? Definitely. Yeah, I would love to. A very exciting project. It's actually my own personal project with a friend. I'm the co-investor in the project. So finally able to put my money where my mouth is with with Passive House. And it's great. I mean, and I had no vision before of buying an existing home in Toronto. I'm like, no, if I'm going to buy something, I want to build from you. I want to do Passive House. But when this opportunity to purchase a property came up, I started to think about it because it's a very archetypal building or home, uh, you know, a typical semi-detached home. There's probably, I understand there's like hundreds of thousands of these across the city. And so I started to think, well, if we could crack the nut on this project and really demonstrate that it's both technically as well as financially feasible to do a passive house retrofit, then we have a model that can be scaled and brought to other people. So not only could we potentially repeat it, but really that we could empower and enable others to do likewise, other homeowners, other investors. There's actually a bit more to this as well, because we not only are we tackling the energy efficiency, low carbon side of the things, which is very much in alignment with the city's policy, but we also want to create a rental property out of it. So convert it to a two or three unit property to make more rental space available. And that's in short order in Toronto. We also want to increase density gently. So kind of that medium density aspect, which is missing quite a bit in the city. You know, you've got other high density condos or these swaths of single family homes that no one really wants to touch. So we're able to do a retrofit, low carbon, you know, really improve the environment, uh, reuse the structure, increase density gently, add rental units, 
and not change the character of neighbor. We're not coming in, tearing down a bunch of old homes and building a, a new condo. When these existing homes have a lot of life left in them because they're, sorry, condos, existing homes have a lot of life left in them because their bones are great, right? I love what you're doing too, because I think when you want to try and push something like that, I like this concept, it's also getting the general public buy-in, right? And generally that happens when this intangible, like you said, technical data to show a plus and minus, not just for what a client needs to do, but sometimes they need to get loans or mortgages or whatever. And if, if somebody can't show a tangible benefit in asking for that percent extra for the cost to show the actual benefits financially and otherwise, it might be really hard to get some of the loans or try to get some of these investors to buy into a concept like this, right? Yeah, definitely. And this whole financial piece is much more in discussion today, I think because of maybe a growing pressure urgency around climate change and really having pastos applied more generally across the board. The financial piece has been something that kind of in the background and it's always been there, but I think the types of conversations we are having now are changing as we see commercially minded developers engaging in successfully delivering passive projects and really starting to understand their thinking and approach and how are they making it work financially that us in the passive community can really learn from and getting good data, as you said, also changing how we approach assessing the financial case for a project. So there's often that like the quick payback, uh, you know, simple payback, how many years is it going to take? Recently listened to a presentation from a passwords developer down in, in Kansas, uh, Jonathan Arnold, commercial developer, you know, he's put his own money into it and he's got an institutional investor on board. And when he was approaching investors, he was selling them and saying, oh, I'm going to save energy, right? And it's going to reduce my operational cost. And there's these added benefits. There's uh, increased comfort. There's better indoor air quality. And the investors were questioning him saying, well, if there's increased value in what you're saying, comfort, indoor air quality, if you can't put a number on that, then why are you doing it? If there's actually no financial benefit to it, you shouldn't be doing it, right? That doesn't make sense. And so it made him rethink, well, okay, I have to be able to quantify this somehow. You know, the, the science isn't exact, is exact either. And I think he ended up doing a bit of a, a guesstimate. But he started to incorporate quantitative information about the benefits of benefits we associate with pathways, but don't generally put numbers on. And you know, when he did that, you know, the conversations with the investors went better. And he was able to get a big-time investor, Berkshire Hathaway, to invest in his project. So when we get commercial developers committing to passwords and being able to bring on board institutional investors who are obviously very savvy financially and they're making a case for passive house and going forward with it, then there's a clear, in my mind, that's a, just a clear signal to the market like this can and does work. I mean, we touched on it earlier in terms of construction practices with like we talked about windows, but how does technology play into some of the thought process when it comes to energy conservation. By that, I'm talking about, you know, what everyone knows, the, the Nest thermostat or the occupancy sensors. You know, in commercial practices, occupancy sensors for lighting in an office space or meeting rooms or, or washrooms, universal washrooms have, have been there, I think, for like 10, 20 years, right? Just because it's not being used, leave the light off. But I think 
it seems like now it's being incorporated more in houses. Do they have an impact? And the second one is as well, we've seen the stickers so many times, the Energy Star certified appliances. Do those actually help in this concept? Passphos, in my mind, fundamentally looks at keeping things as simple as possible. And there's certain characteristics of a passive house that make some of these technologies a bit more questionable to apply. So for instance, with passive house, you're essentially building a nice big thermos that's very steady in temperature. It's, it takes, if you were to cut the heating from a passive house, it takes a long time for it to really cool down. And it never cools down to the same temperature as a conventional home. In the dead of winter in Toronto, if power gets cut out, it's sub-zero. You're going to be quickly down below zero as well. Passive house, you know, it's going to be much slower. So when you look at some of the, the smart devices like smart thermostats, which are responding to changing conditions in your home based on weather and stuff, because the passive house is less sensitive to what's going on outside, there's less benefit to that kind of smart technology. If you change the building types, you talk about offices where you have changing occupancy, right? So you've got office meeting rooms that get used once a day for an hour. Yeah, there it makes sense to have some level of control, whether it's time-based, whether it's occupancy-based. So you can actually save a lot of energy there. So it's like, it's not that you, you don't use technology in Passos, is that you, you apply it smartly where it's going to make a big difference. It's not just applying it because it sounds nice or because it works on other projects. You really have to look at, does it make sense in a Passive House? Do all the pieces fit together to achieve that final goal? Yeah, right. exactly. So, and, you know, which leads me to something else that I think you've kind of spearheaded, which is the Peel Passive House Consulting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and, you know, what the process is like with, not just with potential clients who want to build new or retrofit their space to Passive House, but also developers or residential contractors or commercial contractors to go through that process? You know, what is the PL Passive House Consulting about and, and what's that process like? Sure, yeah. So I'll speak briefly about our company. So we are dedicated to providing passive services to the industry. Four main services we provide, passive consulting. So that's working with clients, design teams, whether that's on your you know, single family home with a homeowner, all the way to large tower projects, both new build and retrofit. We finished the first passive certified car dealership, first one in the world last year. So there's a range of projects. So we'll get involved and that could be fully integrated into the design team, supporting the design team, but also on the construction side, supporting the delivery or construction of the project, or it might be kind of just ad hoc support. It really depends on the level of experience of the team, what exactly they need. We also do building certification, which is basically like lead certification. It's ensuring that the project meets all the certification requirements. We do training of design professionals, contractors, builders, developers, city staff, anyone who wants to get the foundational grounding in passive house, as well as, as more advanced knowledge. Uh, another exciting area is we're working more and more with manufacturers to actually help them advance their products to meet passive house requirements. Because, you know, passive house has requirements on certain components like windows ventilation systems and manufacturers are seeing a growing market for passive house and they want to ensure that they can sell products into that market and so we will help them through that that process 
in terms of the consulting process, if I speak more generally, so not just about our company, but if there's a goal of Passwords, you really want to make a decision early, upfront, when you're first conceiving the project, that you know Passwords becomes a goal. If you try to shoehorn a project, a design into meeting or shoehorn into meeting Passwords, it's going to be either too expensive or not feasible, not technically feasible. You know, if you've already got your construction drawings going and then you get an idea, oh, let's do Passos now. We've had projects like that. And Johnny and I were like, okay, we, we might be able to make some suggestions for what you can improve, but you're kind of too far down the line to really make it work from a cost perspective or, or a timeline perspective. So it's really making that decision up front and then bringing somebody on board with passive house experience, whether, you know, that might be the architect you're working with, they may have experience, you may want a separate passive house consultant, but so really so having somebody at the table with that knowledge and experience to guide the project. And passive house has a, a certain way of doing things that really lead to optimal results, cost, time, all that. And you want to make sure that's clear up front and that you, you go down the right path. It's pretty neat that some of the manufacturers and such are jumping on board, but do you still find there might be some misconceptions out there, not just in the marketplace, but also with end user clients as to what a passive house is and, you know, and what the benefits could potentially be? Are there still any of those hurdles that you see? I think general awareness of Passos, the average, you probably stop the average consumer on the street. I mean, it might depend on the, the city, but many of them wouldn't have heard of it, or they just have a vague conception of what it is. I look at a passive house as, you know, being certified, right? Because you can also have like design inspired by passive house or incorporating passive house principles. And that leaves me and others uncertain about, well, what exactly have you achieved? Buying Passos windows, great. I mean, all for that. But that alone does not make a Passive House. So really having that third-party verification say, yes, this is what you've achieved, to me is important for the owner as well as the market confidence. So if you're going to be a eventual buyer, well, how do you know what you're buying unless it's been demonstrated? So what would you say some of the opportunities people would have to you know, I guess, dive, dive, uh, dive right in as opposed to, quote unquote, inspired by a passive house, shall we say? <laughs> First off, if you're really, it depends on, you know, are you on the designer construction side of things, then, you know, taking uh, the training, you know, you can do an intro course. Our company offers it as well. One day, like, here's some basics of passive house. There's also the full courses like the uh, passive design and construction more geared towards design professionals that basically gives you the fundamentals of passwords to really get you started. And there's also the trades course. So for people more like builders or tradespeople, contractors, that's, you know, where, where you're more on the delivery side, that would be a more suitable course to take. I think that's a great starting point because you get that foundational knowledge that for me is so important when you're then looking at designing and building a passwords you're starting to speak a common language. You have a common understanding of what it takes and what it means. Looking a little bit now to the future in the next two years, five years kind of thing, what are your goals personally and professionally moving forward? And I guess you could say raising more awareness for 
passive houses, passive buildings in, in general. And do you think we'll actually ever be able to get to that net zero energy, that, that unicorn, shall we say, out in the distance? <laughs> Yeah. So for me, I mean, on the personal front, I mean, I've got this retrofit project. I mean, it's personal, professional. It's a blurry line. It Partly it stemmed from, I mean, a wanting to live in my own passive house. The unfortunate situation where many passive house practitioners don't actually live in a passive house. <laughs> well, you know what they say, as entrepreneurs, when you do it for a living, you never really bring it back to your own home, right? Because you're so busy doing it for other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know enough people who they've been doing their own retrofit for years. They never have enough time. Contractors never know have time to finish the job at home. I was actually at a, a pastor's conference in New York a few years ago, and they had a great developer panel of commercial developers who were doing passive house projects. They were doing some inspiring work and they were also long-term holders as well. And so they had some natural motivation to do it. But I asked them like, okay, if I want to convince others who aren't in your shoes to do passive house, how do I do that? Their consensus is like, do it yourself. Show that it's possible and then others will follow. And so that sort of, in my own small way, I don't have a big fund behind me or whatever, in my own small way with this one project to demonstrate what's possible. And that's where it's not just about another password retrofit. It's how do I do it in a way that others can adopt it? And whether that's me doing it again, or it's like, you know, the next... 10 or like 100 homeowners I speak to or that come and tour the project and understand what's going on, they're going to be inspired to do it and they're going to have resources because we, we intend to publish the drawings, the budget. We want to create a design and construction guide that walks homeowners through the process. Say, hey, you've just bought your home. Here are all the steps you need to take to get to moving in or renting it out or whatever it is, it's not just the passivos. That's one aspect. There's the whole navigating the city planning process. So we want to create a nice guide that walks them through and breaks down as many barriers as we can. So that's kind of a personal slash professional front. On the more purely professional side, where I'm kind of moving the, com the, the company slowly is working more and more with, with larger firms in a collaborative manner to really empower and enable them to deliver passive house that we kind of go in and really skill them up. And that might, that's generally through a project and they start to learn a lot from us. And then they're able to take that to other projects because some of these large firms, you know, they're working with lots of interesting clients. Some of them will never get in front of, right? For, for we're a small firm. We don't have the capacity or the network or whatever to, to be working with these folks. But these big companies are. And so if we can work and deliver a passwords project with these big companies, they'll then be able to go to their all these other clients and say, hey, have you thought of passwords? We can help you deliver this. Let's do it. And so they'll start to become champions for passive house as well. That's how we're going to scale the impact. Like oh, even if I were to grow our company to 50, 100 people, we're going to be a drop in the bucket. So we really need to empower these other large firms across the, the industry. And so that's kind of a shifting focus of where, where I want to more and more move towards. When can we start seeing some of these updates on your 
I guess, personal professional passion project. <laughs> There's a lot of P's there. But, you know, when can we start seeing some of these updates? And I know, you know, everyone always wants to, what's the word in our industry, start tomorrow, finish yesterday. I think it feels like there should be a lot more planning in the background that people don't see first to make sure that, you know, those steps, the one, two, three, four, until wherever you need to go to achieve this passive house. I feel like taking that time is really important to make sure that it's done properly, it's done correctly also with the data capture as well, so you can kind of showcase it properly, right? Yeah, so, I mean, that's part of this design and construction guide is it'll walk you through step-by-step step so you don't feel alone, you'll have the resources. We, we will monitor this project so to demonstrate, yes, it's working. We, and we already have existing data. I've been using some different devices to, to track energy. So we'll definitely have the before and after, both modeled as well as, as measured. And then in terms of timeline for these, so my company's going through a rebranding process. So in the next couple of months, we'll be launching a new website with much more information. Right now, it's very utilitarian. We want to provide more, more information for potential clients or people interested in Passphos. You know, it's like how to build a Passphos team, what to look for in your Passphos consultant, things like that, to get them thinking early on about some of those important questions that they may not be thinking about that if they start thinking about too late, it might be too late to, you know, we've seen this with some homeowners or retrofitting their projects and they come to us a bit too late and they're rushed. They're like, we got permit, we're working with a contractor, he's pouring the foundation, you know, we need help. And they're like, well, okay, it's a bit nuts. And, you know, you're, you're not going to get, you know, the results you could have. So I think the whole awareness, and we'll, 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 I'm sure we'll do a blog during construction as well about how things are going. We're opening up for tours so that, homeowners maybe even before they've purchased a property they'll be able to see what we're up to and like oh light the light will go off and that'll be a great entry point to like just inf inform them of the things they should be thinking about early on you know and whether they work with us or somebody else as long as they start thinking about the, the right questions and you know who to talk to that's awesome so i'm really interested in seeing where you know, this concept is going and, and follow your progress. But, you know, if any of our listeners wanted to learn more about passive houses or what, you know, the Peel Passive House Consulting or you, you are doing these days, uh, where can they find you? What's the best place to reach out to you if they've got questions about any of this? Sure, yeah. Our website is peelpassivehouse.ca. So that's P-E-E-L, Passive House, spelled the English way, P-A-S-S-I-V-E. Not the German way, you know, it gets confusing sometimes. Passivehost.ca and then me directly, my email, andrew at peelpassivehost.ca. And uh, of course, don't forget LinkedIn. That's where I connected with Andrew, started to learn more about what he's been doing. But it's been fantastic, Andrew. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said earlier, really interested to see, you know, some of the progress you're going to make on your concept home and, and where it's going to go. It's, it's pretty fascinating. But thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always a pleasure to to talk to folks like you about uh, Passphos, those who are you know very interested and engaged in in this uh, this kind of conversation, and and really then to your listeners to expand to you know expose them to something they may not have been exposed to or just not, don't know as much about. So appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and also that something like this actually is possible nowadays because, you know, you know, as much as we said, some of that technology, you know, like the Nest thermostats, but with some of the other technology that can quantify this data, you can actually prove that it works and it works well. Thank you so much, Andrew, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. 
Well, it's pretty phenomenal that now we can actually have tangible measurements and tangible metrics associated with lowering our energy consumption with this passive house, passive building movement, shall we say. It's pretty fascinating. If any of you are interested, definitely reach out to Andrew Peel. He's doing some amazing things in trying to bridge the costs with the actual lowering of energy consumption within not just a brand new house, but an existing retrofit that Um, as he mentioned is has so many implementations in today's market be it in urban centers in toronto or anywhere else in the world definitely reach out to him share this episode Uh, you'll definitely learn a lot more now next week we've got ian mcfadden from hummingbird hill homes he is coming to join us to talk about having a well-certified home and what that means. They also started out in the passive house movement and since then they have grown and incorporated this into their construction ideas and methods when building homes.